We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So as is the case, for those who are not familiar, we are still using uh, our new format where the first part is essentially a simple bayan, a simple dars. And then after that, we'll have the adhan for Jummah and two short khutbahs in Arabic and then salah. And ending time will still be the normal time, inshallah. So, first, as is the case every single week, I want to express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Na'hamaduhu, wa nasta'inuhu, wa nasta'afiruhu, wa nu'minu bihi, wa natawakilu alayhi. Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina, wa min sayyati a'malina. Ma yahdihillahi falamudillalah, ma yudlilhu falahadiyalah. Wa nashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa nashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. وصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فنأوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فقال الله تعالى في القرآن الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اصبروا وصابروا ورابطوا واتقوا الله لعلكم تفلحون صدق الله عليه so we praise Allah, we thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah, and thus we say, Alhamdulillah, Nahmaduhu. We praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Him. Wanasta'inuhu, we seek His help. Wanasta'firuhu, we seek His forgiveness. We believe in Him and we trust and rely upon Him. And we seek refuge with Allah for the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions and whomever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. And we bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. This is actually the most important part of the entire khutbah or the, of the bayan. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no master but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And many more, and many more, kathira and kathira. And as is the case every single week, the question I have for each and every one of us to take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves, what is changing? What is changing the world? What is changing in our society? What is changing in our relationships with each other? And what is changing in our hearts? So once again, what is taking place in the world? The easiest thing to recall of all the many things that are happening in the world is ongoing bloodshed. For example, there was a drone strike that hit about 30 innocent farmers in Afghanistan a couple days ago, sending them immediately back to Allah Ta'ala. And when we hear these bits of news, we have to balance between uh, social media pornography where we all put, you know, we blast social media with images and such and all this bad news at one end and at the other end, what becomes extreme numbness, if not apathy. And so when you hear the story of someone, when you're hearing the news of someone who has been killed, justly or unjustly, more often than not unjustly, if you can, take a moment and make a very quick dua, at the very least, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. We are from Allah and to Him is the return. Because what is taking place at the very least, you are taking that moment as a reminder of Allah and you are taking benefit from that moment. And inshallah, all the people who have been killed unjustly will be granted the highest levels of paradise, inshallah, inshallah, on the other side. Bring it back to our society, what is taking place, not only in our society, but also across the globe. Many of my students skipped class today, actually for a good reason, 
They're part of the climate change strike to protest what's been taking place regarding the environment. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a few moments. But think about the climate and your future. Uh, all of us are familiar with the data. All of us are familiar with the reports that the future is not looking very, very promising. Some of us to have some fun. We also connected with end times, which it may be, or end times might not be for another thousand years. But the fact is that there is some very serious changes taking place that will happen. Well, I mean, it's already begun to happen, but your children especially will start really feeling it. But we'll come back to that in a second. Bringing it closer to home, look now at your relationships. We've been here in this semester for a month and compare your relationships today with the beginning of the semester. What is the time that you spend with your friends? How much of it is getting you closer to a lot and how much of it is getting you further away from a lot? That is something you have direct influence over. And then the last point, once again, what is the condition of your relationship with Allah in your heart? When you are raising your hands in dua to Allah, when you are raising your hands in supplication to Allah, do you have more confidence today that he is answering your prayers than a month ago? Because think about it. I am choosing to believe whether or not he's answering my prayers. We're often conditioned to give ourselves excuses for why a prayer seems to not get answered. Like Allah is only going to give you what's best for you. Like Allah is only going to answer out of his wisdom. Sure, all of that is correct. So then you make your prayer to be for whatever it is and for it to be best for you. And at a different time, we'll have much more conversation about dua in itself. But the point I'm making is you and I control what we think of Allah. And thus, you and I control what we think of Allah's responses to whatever it is we are asking of him. So having said that, one of the big topics I want to, I want each and every one of us to reflect on is this issue of climate change. Looking at it from a Dean perspective or some aspects of a Dean perspective. First, the basic information that if you go through the Quran, if you go through all the sacred texts, what you might be surprised to find out is compared to all the sacred texts, apparently, and I haven't tested this, but a friend of mine who's a scholar who actually investigated this, uh, our book discusses nature more than any of the other sacred texts. But regardless of how we compare to the other sacred texts, our book gives very tremendous importance to nature, right from the third and fourth pages of the Quran, where we are even being told about paradise in comparison to this world. So what are we told about paradise? That we will have these fruits that are like the fruits of this world. What's the paradise version? And then a little bit after that, we are taught what, or actually just before that, we're taught what? That the whole world has been created as a resting place for us. That Allah Ta'ala brings water from the sky to bring forth fruits as nourishment for us. So one way we commonly understand our relationship with nature is that nature has been designed to serve us in our service to Allah Ta'ala. Let me repeat that point that nature has been designed to serve us in our service to Allah. This is different than saying nature has just been designed to serve us, period. Because think of the fundamental difference that in, in consequence in theology we would have if we just say, okay, the purpose of nature is just to serve us. 
then that opens the door for us to abuse nature. But the purpose of nature, a purpose of nature, is to serve us in our service to Allah. Now, what are the most obvious ways? One is in the prayer times, and the other one is in the calendar. That, of course, you and I might look at our phones to figure out if it's prayer time. Okay, I can't tell if it's Isha time yet. My clock says such and such, even though I can just look outside see if it's my time. But the point being that how do we know when is our prayer time? It's related to where the sun is in the sky. Or, in the case of Dohar and Asr in particular, the condition of our shadows. And so ask yourself this, how often do you, and all of us do this, but how often do you take what is taking place in nature for granted as something that is a background decoration, as opposed to a pathway through which we get closer to Allah. Because if the prayer time is coming from where the sun is in the sky, then our observance of the sun is a pathway to get closer to Allah. If our shadow is giving us the prayer times for a couple of the prayer times, then our observance of the shadow, the length of the shadow, is giving us a pathway to get closer to Allah. And then also, this applies for the calendar. Like we love to talk about moon sighting and moon fighting and such, but the point is they both connect back to the moon. And so once again, <clears throat> think of how often you and I do and do not pay attention to the moon in the sky. So back in the day, meaning back at the time of the Prophet وسلم, the moon was one of the big ornaments in the sky. We have so much light pollution that perhaps all we can see sometimes is the moon with very little viewing of the stars. But take a moment, even tonight, or take a moment over the course of the next week, and just spend some time, even if it's a short period of time, observing the beauty of the moon. I mean, think about how fascinating this moon is that's reflecting the light of the sun so brilliantly. We say Siraj Wahaj. And so the point is that in the same way our calendar tells us when Ramadan ends or when Ramadan begins, when we are in Muharram, not right now, when Muharram begins, when Muharram ends, and our other observances. What we're also saying is that seeing the moon becomes a pathway to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. And then we're even prescribed to fast during the white days. And what are the white days? The middle days of the month, the 13th, 14th, and 15th of the Islamic calendar. Why are they called the white days? Because that's when the moon is full. And of course, some undergrad boys probably turn to werewolves, but the rest of us, the moon is full and it's shining bright. Thus, it becomes a pathway for us to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. So what is the key term here to think about? The term is ayah. So when we speak of the Qur'an and we speak of each verse of the Qur'an as an ayah, why are we using this term? Number one, of course, this is what we're taught to use by Allah Ta'ala through the Prophet or through the Prophet, peace be upon him himself. But what is this saying? It is saying that in the same way that every single verse of the Qur'an is directing us back to Allah Ta'ala. Everything in nature around us is also directing us back to Allah Ta'ala. So to make this point even more clearly, what am I saying? That nature is in a constant process of doing at least two things. One, nature is in a constant process of glorifying Allah Ta'ala. 
Yet Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran that you, that you cannot understand their glorification. But at the same time to you and I, what is nature doing? It is doing da'wah to each and every one of us. Da'wah ilallah. Meaning as you and I are walking from this building to the next building, passing by trees, walking under clouds, walking under the, the, the radiance of the sun, walking on top of or next to grass. What is the nature doing? The nature is saying, look at me, look at my beauty, look at my complexity, and appreciate my creator. So when you go from this room onto your next destination, observe nature through that lens. So on the one hand, we're saying that these things are also designed in nature to help us get on a path to Allah Ta'ala so that we can worship him through Salah and such. We're also saying at the same time, nature is saying, look at me and glorify my creator. Look at me and appreciate my creator. And so take time to actually try to do that. There's a scholar on the East Coast, his name is Sayyid Hussein Nasser, who even goes so far as to say that you can get the condition the spiritual condition of a people by looking at how disconnected they are from nature. And you and I know our society in general, in particular, our urban American society, we're very disconnected from nature. At least in Chicago, we can see the sky. Those of, who, those of us who are in the suburbs see how much more sky that we can see. But if you go to Manhattan, you can barely even see the sky. All you see are these towering buildings you have to move away just to be able to see the sky. So the point is, think of just the ability to look at the sky itself as a mercy from Allah. And then, of course, let's take it to the other side. We often speak in our culture of sunshine being, being the great weather, and sometimes we speak of rain as being the unhappy weather. When I have to drive here and it's raining, that means my commute goes up by at least half an hour because people in Chicago forget how to drive. But the point to think about is that the Prophet وسلم, used to love it when it rained. He would, he would walk outside, unbutton his shirt, and allow himself to be getting drenched in the wonderful droplets of the rain. And there's also a teaching, this is from of our sages of the past, where we are taught to even think of each drop of rain as not only coming with the accompaniment of an angel, or two or three, think of each drop of rain as being synonymous with the dua of an angel. And think of that of any precipitation, whether we're speaking of rain, or whether we're speaking of snow, or hail, or what have you. But what is the point again? <laughs> that one pathway to get closer to Allah is what we're doing here right now on a Friday afternoon and then getting ready to put our faces to the floor. And another pathway related to this, integrated with this, are these elements in nature to help us know the times for these prayers. And then another pathway is just to be in nature itself. And so we still have a few more weeks until the weather starts getting prohibitive and so take advantage, take benefit from the weeks that we have ahead of us to appreciate nature. How? By putting yourselves in nature. At the very least, go sit or stand outside, not inside, outside the IC, and just observe the waves. And let yourself listen to the waves. And then, if you do that enough, you will start getting wisdom from the waves.
One lesson from the waves is just exactly how generations work. You have this one generation comes, and then as they're settling and vanishing away, another generation comes on top of them. And then another generation comes on top of them. That's exactly how the waves operate. And then as you spend time with the leaves and the trees around us, we have more lessons. That here you have a tree, and the leaf gets its sustenance from the sunlight, but because the leaf is part of the tree. But as soon as the leaf separates from the tree, that same sunlight destroys the leaf. And that is your experience with the Ummah. That if you and I separate ourselves from the Ummah, then we're leaving ourselves vulnerable. If you keep yourself tightly wired with the Ummah, then, inshallah, you'll be safe. Where? In your faith. And inshallah, methods before that. So, what we're saying here is that nature is free da'wa, but nature is also free ilm. Free knowledge that will connect us to uh, to Allah Ta'ala in our path of following the tradition of the Prophet. You and I know that when the Prophet used to walk down the street, rocks used to say salam to him. Don't know how that happened, but alhamdulillah. When the Prophet used to give Jummah Khutbah leaning on a tree and then announce that we have to move to another location, what did the tree start doing? The tree started crying. This tree, try even picture this, this tree is crying when it finds out that the Prophet wasallam, is no longer going to be leaning on it to give the Jummah Khutbah. Okay. And so I'm not saying that you and I will reach the point where we're going to start talking to nature or that nature is going to start talking to us, but the point I'm making is that nature is, no matter what, still calling upon us. But now let's bring that to the other side of what's happening in the world. So I, again, I don't need to give you the, the, the details of pollution and climate change, but a question for you and I to think about ourselves is how much waste are we producing? One of the wonderful things and tragic things of American society is that we're masters of having a wonderful facade. That if there's anything unmentionable, just throw in the trash. If there's anything disliked, just put it in the toilet. And it goes so far that that's how we even treat lower classes in our society as what Mark Lamont Hill calls a disposable class. If there's some people in our society, put them away in prison. So to talk about a massive change in our society that is connected with, with pollution and climate change, that's something much bigger. That's something at the level of revolution. But the point you and I can individually think about is how much waste are we producing and taking for granted. Because the waste that you're producing is the waste that you and I are giving to our grandchildren to figure out what to do with. Take this from another perspective. I made the point in our, in our Quran class yesterday that <clears throat> all of us should be praying for our children. Okay, I'm probably one of the few people in the class who actually, in the room who actually has children right now. In, inshallah, most or all of us will. But think of Prophet Ibrahim salam when he is being told by Allah Ta'ala that you will be an imam among the people. And what was his first response? What about my descendants? Not just himself, not just his children, but all of his descendants. And so a point for you and I to think about that it may be that the only reason you are here is because Allah Ta'ala is answering the prayer of one of your ancestors. Think about it. Maybe, maybe not. Allah knows best. 
but it is probably more true than we might want to imagine. And what you owe your children and your further descendants is to pray for them. And so what I'm suggesting in all your prayers, pray for all of your ancestors, as well as pray for all of your descendants. Which means that every time you skip a prayer, you're not only skipping a prayer for yourself, you're also skipping a prayer for your children and your descendants. Now bringing this back to trash. Think about the fact that you and I, I mean, this is part of just how we operate. We're going to be producing trash. Because everything is paper, everything is plastic. But think about how much unnecessary trash you're producing, which is what you are handing off to your grandchildren and their descendants. So in the same way we can be sending good to them, it's inevitable that we're also sending these harms to them. And I don't claim to have a solution on this, except for, at least for now, you and I to see how we can reduce the trash that we're handing, that we're throwing away. Which could come from just reusing plastics multiple times before we throw them away, or when we have choices to take them, choices that are more economically sound. Because the same nature that is calling us to a law, too often we're responding, how? By destroying it. So with that, I remind you of what Allah Ta'ala says to us about the Prophet in Allah wa Malaikatahu Yusalluna ala Nabi Ya ayyuha al-lazina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallim wa taslima The translation is indeed, indeed, indeed Allah and His angels send blessings upon the Prophet O you who believe, send blessings upon him and we'll make the dua for this uh, at the time of the khutbah but now we will begin with the salah itself Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Allah, I can